Good morning, my name's Barry, and uh, Jim's taking a break today. Uh, and before we start, anybody have any announcements? It's my birthday tomorrow, thank you, Zeke, who tells me happy birthday at least 50 times a year. Um, any other announcements? Anybody else's birthday tomorrow? So I expect a card from everybody uh, with a dollar bill in it. So, uh, let's, um, An anchor of the church passed away, Mr. Thornberry. Um, and let's remember him and his family um, every day this week. I mean, he, if, you don't, if you didn't know him, didn't have the privilege of meeting him or talking to him or ever listening to him speak, uh, he was just an amazing man. He was an amazing, amazing man. Uh, Vicky and I started coming to Stuart Heights back when we were just dating back in 1989, 1990. And, and there was two, three, one couple, uh, the Harwoods, uh, that, that, that stayed in our minds. And then there was two men. That's, and we talk, when we moved to Florida, we, we bring these two men up. One was Thorn, Thornberry, and the other one, I can never remember his name, but we called him Ichabod Crane. <laughs> Do you remember Ichabod Crane? The tall guy, huge giant Adam's apple. Does anybody remember him? Yeah. What, was, who was that? what was his name? I see, I can't, we just called him Ichabod Crane, because that's just what their picture. Anyway, uh, remember Mr. Thornberry and his family. Uh, salt groups, who is not a member of a salt group? Why? Get out. No, I'm just joking. Stay. Everybody else get out. Uh, no. If you're not a member of salt group, there's a, this yellow piece of paper. Um, there's salt group stuff in here. Look at that. Uh, be involved. It's great. It's, it's not just boring Bible studies. Uh, I'm sure there's some boring Bible studies on here if that's what you're into. I don't... Uh, leader. Oh, that's what I'm looking for. Um... You know, the Davenports have a Bible study. That could be boring. No, I don't know. I don't think Daryl. It's a sermon based thing. Yeah, I don't know. But be involved in salt groups. There's some fun things. There's some neat things. Uh, if you have some questions, you can ask, you can ask me or, or, or Chandelier, Chrisman, or Brian Smith, or, uh, or really just ask anybody and, and get some, uh, some advice on what salt groups. Um, any other things? Okay, if I'm too loud, I apologize. Um, I'm used to speaking with a microphone on my boat, but I have a monitor right in front of me so I know how loud I am, so I can adjust that. I can't hear how loud I am, so if you're under a speaker and I'm loud, just say, and I'll, I'll just shrug my shoulders. Um, today, we're going to talk about one of the most, most talked about things of stories in the Bible. I hate saying stories because that gives me a connotation of it's, it's a story, it's fiction, but uh, one of the most talked about stories, you know, you got the birth of Jesus, so we got Christmas, we got Easter and the death of Christians, resurrection, resurrection of Jesus. Uh, we, we, we've got some, some other parts of the Bible that we talk about, but Noah's Ark and the flood. Uh, we, you hear about that. Justin, have, have you told your brand new daughter the story of Noah's Ark yet? Yeah, I, I mean, that big, you start hearing the story of Noah's Ark, okay? And I'm going to read, the, the, it's the text, it's G Genesis 6 and 7, and I'm going to read uh, from one of uh, my family's favorite Bibles. And if you want to follow along, Genesis 6, starting in verse 1. I'll give you a second to catch up. And get your computers warmed up. God was very, very sad, for all the people were so bad. That's verse 1. They would cheat and they would lie. They would make their sisters cry. They would kick and steal and fight. They knew 
it wasn't right. Noah was the only one who was pleasing in God's sight. I'm following people to get your attention. <laughs> God told Noah, build a boat, make it strong so it will float, make it tall and make it wide, and put up a lot of rooms inside. So Noah's family built the boat. They made it strong so it would float. But all the people laughed and said, and this is how I would read it to my kids, they are loony in their heads. Where's the water? Where's the sea? They're as crazy as can be. God brought animals two by two. They skipped and crawled and hopped and flew and squeaked and barked and chirped and mooed. The boat would be a floating zoo. What chapter, what verse am I on? Can you follow along? <laughs> what verse am I on? Huh? <laughs> God commanded, let it rain. And it rained on hill and plain. Lightning flashed and thunder roared. It sprinkled, showered, rained, and poured. The water got deep. It covered the ground. But those in the boat were safe and sound. Days and weeks and months went by before the ground was finally dry. But then God said, it's time to come out. So out they came with a roar and a shout. And what did they see when they looked up on high? A shining rainbow in the sky. That's the story that we always heard, right? Okay. Does anyone, has anyone really looked at the story of the flood and Noah and see how scary it could be? It is, or it was. Uh, it, it's like a, a, a horror movie, okay? Uh, it, it's, it's a pretty ugly scene. And, you know, we're, you can probably go back, and I haven't been, but you can probably go back to our nursery, and is there a, a picture or a painting of, of Noah's Ark on the wall? No? Okay, there's the... The nursery director says, no, okay. We, we get this pretty picture of this nice boat and the rainbow in the background and, and the woodpeckers on the side and the unicorns and stuff like that. Eh, no, it wasn't anything like that. Um, now, we'll get to the, to the real thing. Well, of course, I've got the alien Bible, which is not much more than that. Genesis chapter 6. And if you look at the worksheet, you know, the first few lines, it looks exactly like last week because it is. Preview is a little different. Last week, Jim had eyes wide open. Um, and when I started looking at this, this lesson a few weeks ago, um, then I saw his worksheet. Um, eyes wide open, and I don't know if he meant it this way or not, but when, when, when Adam and Eve partook of the fruit, uh, they saw themselves naked. They saw their nakedness. Their eyes were open. And, and at this point in Genesis, uh, the, the people, their eyes were shut. It wasn't shut to their nakedness. It was, it was shut to God. They didn't see anything about God. They were just a violent, wicked people. Um, the key thought for today's lesson, sin has a profound uh, effect on our relationships with God and others. Things to look out for, or not look out for, that tells us about God. Uh, he leaves. And that's the first link, he leaves. Uh, and then last week, some of y'all were here, and, and, and I mentioned something about the word leaving, and Jim and I have talked some this week about that. Uh, I, I disagreed with Jim last week that God didn't leave. He did not leave Adam and Eve. He didn't leave the Garden of Eden. When I leave, I go somewhere, okay? I'm gone. God didn't leave Adam and Eve. He left them alone, okay? He leaves them alone, um, and he's, just, he's in the garden with him. Um, so it, 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 that gives the chance for the free will thing to work. Um, he questions, he judges, he intervenes, and God provides. And we're going to look at how God does a little bit of all these things in this passage. Um, 6-1, when the human race began to increase with more and more daughters being born, the sons of God noticed that the daughters of men were beautiful. They looked them over and picked out wives for themselves. 
something God said. I am not giving, I am not going to breathe life into men and women endlessly. Eventually, they're going to die. From now on, they can expect a lifespan of 120 years. I'm not going to get in really to who the sons of God, daughters of men. Um, if you want to, I did a little research. I'm going to give all this to Jim, whether he wants it or not. Okay? And this is just about the flood and, and, and Noah's Ark and stuff like that. Um, it is. It's probably one. It is the most debated, the most controversial part of the Bible in the secular world. Because this is something that the secular world can touch. Theology. They can look at rocks and, and sedimentary strata, and, and they can say, no, it's impossible. There couldn't be a global flood. It, the, it doesn't work right. You can take Christian scientists, believing scientists, who can look at the same rocks and say, look, you can see there is a global flood. This is the most controversial. You can get on the Internet and just Google Noah's Ark or the Genesis flood, and you will get all kinds of neat things and weird, wacko stuff. Uh, it's amazing because it's something that, that we can, people can touch uh, because of, of science. Anyway, um, God was fed up. That's next blank. God was 6-3. God was fed up. He looked down at man and was fed up. It was corrupt. I, there, was, there was no good thought. Everything that someone said, someone did, you know, I could look at you. Every embryonic thought was evil. There was no good in it. And God told Noah, I'm going to destroy everything that breathes and the land. Now, when I looked up, you know, does anyone know how many times God destroyed land? Did he give us any warnings on on? why he would destroy land? Or is there any warning that God said, I will destroy the land? One, the rapture. The, the earth will, will burn. Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, that's land. Yeah, you can get a little picky there. Yeah, you can get picky. Yeah, it's not land, it's a building. Okay, anytime else. Leviticus, someone go to Leviticus. Uh, 18. And I, and I hate when the Sunday school person reads everything for himself, but um, I really like my version. I'm not going to read it, though. Does anyone else have the message? Okay, Josh. No, I'm going to call on you later. Who else has the message? Uh, that's God saying, you read. Someone read 18.1. Yeah, yeah, I don't care if you have the message or not. God spoke to Moses. It's pretty simple, isn't it? God spoke to Moses. Now, go on and read uh, 6 through 26. Out loud. Somebody. Anybody. I'm sorry, Leviticus 18, 6 through 26. Six through twelve. I'll read it. Leviticus eighteen six, verse six, through verse twenty six. Okay. No. I'll, okay. Fine. I'll read it. God spoke to Moses. 
Oh, I'm in Genesis. No wonder it doesn't look right. <laughs> I was like, hey, it doesn't look right at all. And that's why no one's reading. I said, man. Okay. Um, everything's violent. Everything, everything's corrupt. The, the people are corrupt. There's sin everywhere. Everything they think, they, they thought's corrupt. And God says, I'm going to destroy land. Here are some of the things that's going to have to happen for God to destroy the land. Now, he destroys the land. So I guess we can use their train of thought saying that if he destroyed the land through the flood, this is the minimum that was happening, okay? Don't have sex with a close relative. I am God. Don't violate your father by having sex with your mother. She is your mother. Don't have sex with her. Don't have sex with your father's wife. That violates your father. Don't have sex with your sister. Besides that being gross, whether she's your... That's not in my version. Um, <laughs> whether she's your father's daughter or your mother's... Whether she was born in the same house or elsewhere, don't have sex with your sister. Well, don't have sex with your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter. That would violate your body. Don't have sex with your daughter of your father. No, the, the daughter of your father's wife born to your father. <laughs> She's your sister. Don't have sex with your father's sister. She's your aunt, closely related to your father. Don't have sex with your mother's sister. She's your aunt, closely related to your mother. Don't violate your father's brother or your uncle by having sex with his wife. She's your aunt. Don't have sex with your daughter-in-law. She's your son's wife. Don't have sex with her. Don't have sex with your brother's wife. That would violate your brother. Don't have sex with both a woman and her daughter. And don't have sex with her granddaughters either. They are close relatives. That's wicked. Don't marry your wife's sister as a rival wife and have sex with her while your wife is living. Don't have sex with a woman during the time of her menstrual period. Don't have sex with your neighbor's wife and violate yourself by her. Don't give any of your children to be burned and sacrificed to the god Molech and act as sheer blasphemy to your God. I am to, of your God. I am God. Don't have sex with a man as one does with a woman. That's gross. Mine does say that. A woman... It, <laughs> A uh, woman must not have sex with an animal. Don't have sex with an animal and violate yourself by it. Don't pollute yourself in any of these ways. This is how the nations become polluted, the ones that I'm going to drive out of the land before you. Even the land itself became polluted, and I punish it for its inequity. That last verse, 26. Who, King James, besides the message, what does it say about the land? The land became polluted just as the people did. And what, what was God's response to that? What was, he, what was his promise in there about the people and the land? You're destroying both. Now, this is just a small list of sin that the people were doing that God said, I will destroy the land. Did you hear me or see in your version anything about jealousy or greed or stealing, or murder, any of the Ten Commandment type of stuff. What was every verse about? Sex. Did you think you'd come to a art Sunday school class and hear about sex? And this is it, Keith. This is, this is the part where yeah, I'm going to do that. Um, it was sex. And it was a bunch of don'ts. No. 
It didn't say don't have sex with your wife. It said don't have sex with everyone else. Okay? And, and is that a problem today? I, hopefully not in this class. Probably in this class, though, which is, you know, sad, but honest. Okay? We're getting close. Okay? We're getting close to the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus refers to this later on, okay, to this statement in Leviticus and, and, and the flood. So all was corrupt. God saw that man was evil. 6-5, that's your blank. God was evil. 6-6, six, six, verse 6-6. Six, six. Get out of Leviticus, go back to Genesis. Huh? What? What did I say? God was evil. <laughs> God was sorry. I'm sorry, God. God was sorry. 6-6, six, six. someone read 6-6. Six, six. And this is really, I think, one of the more saddest, most saddest verses in the Bible. No. Uh, someone read 6-6. Six, six. Oh, God was sorry he made us. God was sorry that he made us. Now, to be sorry, um, and we've all been sorry before, whether we have done something against someone or, you know, I'm... I'm your kid falls and busts his head, I'm sorry you fell. You know, there's nothing that was not your fault that your kid fell. <laughs> not your fault. Uh, to, ha to be sorry, you have to have certain ex expectations. And those expectations were, were not met. God was sorry. Did God not expect man to become wicked? Did, did, not, did God not see this coming? question that you respond with some answer. Did, so God saw this coming, but God was sorry. Now, if you, if you had, you know, hindsight 2020, if you see something in the future that you're going to be sorry about, wouldn't you do something to change that? So you wouldn't have to feel sorry to make it right, to make it better? The Bible, God didn't write the Bible for God, okay? In King James, it says that what did he what? He he repented. What did in King James? What did it say to the six six? He repented. Okay, the God didn't write the Bible for God. God writes the Bible for us. Okay, in First Corinthians it says we don't clearly see yet. If God wrote the Bible for God and then gave it to us, I we'd be fruitcakes. Uh, we 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 wouldn't understand anything. Not that we understand much now. God writes the Bible for man. So we can understand. It's not that God was sorry he made us. His spirit, the Holy Spirit, grieved for where we came, what we became. Okay? For what we became. There was no good. There was no good. And I, you can't, I, I, I can't fathom that. There was no good on earth. Every sin that Terry Bolden did, committed, affected David. Okay? It affected the, the earth, the trees. All his fault. Don't ever forget that. Okay? There was no good. Everything was evil. And God told Noah. Oh, I'm going to Noah was different. Okay? Noah was different. That's the next blank. 6 8. Noah was different. How was Noah different? All, there was no good. Everything was corrupt. How was Noah different? Um, Noah. Uh, in all his generations, and you can look at the, this the phrase in, in all his generations, and it just meant his contemporaries, okay? And, and uh, here's a challenge for you, because uh, I did this this morning at 530, because I, I had it, I don't know why I thought of it. 
who were who was Noah's contemporaries who died in the flood? Can anyone just tell me a few people that lived? Who were who was Noah's contemporaries? Methuselah. Okay. Did Methuselah, did, did Methuselah die during the flood? He died the year of it, not during the flood. Who else was a, a, a contemporary of, of Noah? It's hard to find. It is hard to find anything, anywhere, of who Noah, you know why? Because everybody was corrupt. Everybody was evil. Noah was different. Okay? Noah, it says that he walked with God. What does that mean, to walk with God? Relationship, fellowship, constant communication. Any walkers? Who do you walk with mostly? Joe Dog. Okay, besides your dog, who else do you walk with mostly? Josh. Josh, okay. <laughs> Leviticus. Uh. <laughs> any other walkers? And does any, do you walk? Now, I see, I've seen you walk before downtown. Do you enjoy walking by yourself, or you would rather have somebody walk with you? Like to walk by? Yeah, I, I, some people do. I, but when you walk with someone, it involves fellowship, communication. Um, you have to have a relationship. Noah walked with God. Now, does that mean God physically came down as a hovering spirit or a gust of wind and walked with Noah? Probably not. I don't know. Probably not. Thank you for saying probably not. It, Noah had a personal relationship with God. Okay? Who else does the Bible say walked with God? Adam. Who? Enoch. Who else? Now, Adam fell. You know, one of those, the most unused words of 2010 was epic fail. Did you see that? But Adam was an epic fail, okay? Uh, it, it, sin. He walked with God, and he fell. Enoch walked with God. Did he fail? What happened, or what didn't happen to Enoch? He didn't die. Hebrews 11. Somebody go to Hebrews chapter 11 and read verses 5 through 7. Move my glasses. Oh. Yeah, go ahead and read it. So, how do you walk with God? By faith. By faith. I have faith in God. Um, you have faith in God. 
does that mean that we, by this verse, does that mean that we are walking with God? Someone go to John, First uh, John, chapter two, and someone else go to chapter five. First uh, John two, three six. Read that quickly. Someone read 2 and 3, uh, chapter 5, 2 and 3. Are not what? Burdensome. Okay, in, in, in uh, my version, on when Daniel read the passage, he who abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked, we go along with the walking with God thing. Uh, and his commandments, verse 3, and his commandments are not burdensome. Yeah, that's, that's bigger than, it, in my opinion, than it, than it sounds. Um, now, it's not that I have problems not having sex with my mother's sisters or stuff like that. That's not burdensome to me. <laughs> pretty, <laughs> pretty cut and dry. Um, for most of you, it would be cut and dry. You haven't seen them. Um, Um, but but to to have to, to to have faith and believe and to keep his commandments, and they're not burdensome. Now, does anything that, that that we consider sin, I guess, or anything God would consider sin, any of the commandments that that you consider burdensome? Man, I just I did that again. I just hate not being able to. I don't know. Fill in the blank. So, <laughs> not burdensome. Noah wasn't a perfect man. He was a sinner. Um, he didn't do everything right. He was righteous. But it wasn't human merit that saved Noah. It wasn't anything that he did or didn't do. It was divine grace. Okay? Uh, Jim asked me, uh, I guess, I don't know when he asked me, a week or two ago. Yeah, he goes, Hey, why did God pick Noah? And you know, I went back to my, you know, the theological answer: Jesus. You know, uh, well, because he was an upright and right. No, because he didn't have to sex with. No, no. God wanted to. God picked Noah because God wanted to pick Noah. It wasn't anything that Noah did. It was divine grace. Okay, he wasn't a perfect man. Now, um. What did Noah say? 6.14, Noah said, yes, Lord. He said, yes. He didn't say, let's form a committee. He, he, he didn't say, I, I need to have a sign, I, at least sprinkle. I, I, he didn't ask Mrs. Noah. 
when we had our boat in Florida, even today with our boat, uh, I'll tell my wife, I'm going to the boat. What are you going to do? I'm going to piddle. I'm going to piddle. Sometimes in, in Destin, Florida, it's just as cold in Destin right now as it is here. And I'd get up, and neither one of us worked in the wintertime. And I, I'm going to piddle. And that was just, I'm going to the boat. Now, my, my piddling when I'd go to the boat in the wintertime was I'd go up in the wheelhouse and turn the heater on and go and read. But that was my piddling, okay? God, Noah said, yes, Lord. He didn't ask Mrs. Noah, hey, I'm going to go get some stuff and go start building this boat here in the middle of this high-altitude desert. I'm going to go piddle. I can imagine Noah saying, I'm going to go piddle for a little bit. And Mrs. Noah went out one day, and there was this big, giant cruise ship. Um, <laughs> now, let's... <laughs> now we're going to jump to 7-5. Genesis 7-5. Uh, Noah did everything God commanded. Everything. He, like I said, he didn't ask for a committee or ask for, you know, for, for uh, simplified instructions. He just, God said, do it. And he said, okie dokie. Um, here's... Genesis, go back to six fourteen. <laughs> let's 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 put ourselves in Noah's flip flops. Okay, he's a boat captain. Captain wears flip flops. Well, and they probably wore flip flops then. Um, so let's put ourselves in Noah's, and we're picking on on Terry. So we're going to say Terry, this is Terry today, and in his prayer life, God speaks to Terry, and God tells Terry tonight in his prayer time, Terry, I need you. Uh, to go get some sheet metal, a bunch of sheet metal, okay, and some, and some aluminum foil. And, and I want you to build a rocket ship, 1,000 feet tall. And, and in it, I need you to put some compartments and line the compartments with this tin foil, okay? And, and then get some animals um, because I'm going to send a meteor to crash into the world to destroy it, and I, I need you to... And he went to bought a lot of sheet metal, okay? What would we think of Terry? Well, <laughs> it doesn't change. Same way. What, what, would, what would, would Trish think of Terry? <laughs> no different thing. Um, he's, a, he's a nut, okay? He is insane. He's crazy. He's one of those hellbop guys. Was it the hellbop guys? The dudes in California that did the purple curl collade to commit suicide to meet the... He's a nut. He's crazy. Here's the instructions God gives Noah. Get some good lumber and build a boat. That's his first thing. Get some good lumber, build a boat. Put rooms in it, cover it with tar inside and out. Make it 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Build a roof on the boat and leave a space of about 18 inches between the roof and the sides. Make the boat three stories high. Put a door on one side. Bible says the, the ark was built out of gopher wood. Uh, if you look uh, in any concordance or any commentary about the Hebrew word gopher wood, the Hebrew word for gopher is gopher. Nobody knows what gopher wood actually was. Some people say it was, was cypress, uh, some teak. Both were, are very, and this is going from boat construction uh, experience, uh, both cypress and teak are excellent woods to make boats out just because of the quality of the wood. Um, the word for ark, Hebrew word for ark, ark is tebah, T-E-B-A-H. Uh, tebah is only mentioned one other time in the Bible. It's when Moses was put in that little bitty box and floated down to the bulrushes. That's the only other time. 
okay, uh, is when Moses is a little baby and uh, flow down the, in the creek. Um, God gave the measurements in cubits, not feet. Uh, a cubit, um, anywhere from 18, 21, 21 inches long. Uh, Hebrew cubit was about from your elbow to the tip of your finger. Uh, Egyptian royal cubit, which most people say that is what Moses wrote in the Bible, uh, is, is about three inches longer than a Hebrew cubit. Okay? And, and God gives the measurements of the ark in cubits. Um, Modern-day shipbuilders today use a ratio of 6 to 1. For every 6 foot of length, a boat pretty much needs to be 1 foot wide for stability. Okay? That's for seaworthiness and a safe riding arm. Mr. Engineer Sailboat Guy, what is, in your definition, a riding arm? Okay, someone that can say anything besides engineering speak. Okay? Force times distance. A riding arm. If, if this is a boat around me, and this is the center of gravity, and a wave hits, and that boat starts to, to tip like this, the center of gravity will change. Okay? This is the riding arm, which means as the boat turns, it gets to a certain point where it can right itself. It gets to a point uh, where it's unsafe, it will capsize. Okay? The ark, it wasn't the first boat ever built. Okay? It was the largest boat that was ever built up until the late 18th century. The measurements, and this is just amazing, the measurements that God gave Noah is six to one. There is a study. Where's all my papers? There is a study that I told you about. There is a study that I told you about that is a very in-depth study by a government agency in Korea. The safety investigation of Noah's Ark in a seaway. They proved with numbers like he said, things, formulas and stuff, that Noah's Ark, with the measurements that God gave him, was seaworthy. He could do it, okay? Can it hold all the animals? If you look at today, um, and I got this off, off of a couple of sites, National Geographic and others, so I can remember, uh, right now, um, mammals, amphibians, uh, creepy, crawly things, about 18,000 species. If we take that number and double it because of extinctions, and this is not my, this is off some website, and we double that number for extinctions, and then we add the differences of numbers that Noah had to bring, and we're not going to talk about the two-by-twos because he didn't bring two-by-twos. He brought sevens and twos, okay? Eh, I don't care about that right now. We get about 75,000 animals on the ark. The ark had almost 2 million cubic feet of volume, almost 600 boxcars, railroad boxcars of space. The average size of the 18,000 mammals and reptiles and creepy crawly things today, the average size, and this is an engineering thing, again, it's not mine, it's what I read, is the size of a sheep. That's the average size of animals today, a sheep. The ark contained 125,000 sheep. It was big enough, okay? It was big enough. God told Noah to coat it with pitch or tar, okay? How long did it take Noah to construct the ark? 120 years. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't say 120 years. It does say that God told Noah, I'll give you 120 years, and then it's going to happen. It doesn't say how long it took Noah to build it. It doesn't say who helped Noah build the ark. Was he by himself? 
Was it his three sons and their, their wives? Did he have some migrant workers that moved in that helped him? It, it doesn't say, okay? It doesn't say. But there's some reasons why they covered it with pitch inside and out. If it was going to take, and some people say, but it took Noah, and they use all kinds of math stuff in the Bible. It took about 100 years to build the ark, is what some people say. It took 100 years up on blocks outside high altitude desert to build a wooden boat. Um, it needed to be preserved, okay? And they used it to waterproof it and preserve it. That's what scholars say. Okay. 614. Noah said, yes, Lord. He didn't ask again. He said, yes. Uh, sure, I'm going to go piddle, honey. He goes out and starts building a big boat. 7-5. Um, God did everything. Uh, Noah did everything God commanded. Again, no questions asked. He did everything. 7-13. God shut the door. Now, th and we need to finish. This is a great story. Noah's Ark is a great story. The flood is a great story. You can tell your kids at night and day, and it's just a cool, cute little Bible story that has some great spiritual application. Okay? But I think the problem that we're, 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 we've been in for generations is the biblical truth. We get all cutesy and artsy-fartsy with their stories, and, and people go, oh, that's such a good little story. But they, they don't teach or they don't learn for themselves the biblical truth. And without the truth, you can't back up your application. And without the application, you, you, you know, if you just have nothing but truth, you're a college professor. You're not applying anything. I'm not, if we have any college professors in here. It's, yeah, if, if you have the truth, the biblical truth, but you're not applying it, it's useless. If you have the spiritual application and you get all the artsy-fartsy, cutesy stories out of it, and you, oh, and you don't have any biblical truth, it's just useless because you're not going to grow. Okay? Um, God shut the door. Um, John 10, 9, and this is the spiritual up, the, the, the biblical truth slash the, the symbolism spiritual truth. John 10, 9, Jesus says, I am the door. I am the way. Any that enter by me shall be saved and find good pasture. Okay? There was only one door in the ark. It was a huge door. The animals had to get up there. And God shut the door. Okay? That one door saved eight people. That one door saved people. Jesus here says, I am the door. If you want to be saved, because this is going to happen again, the land's going to be destroyed again, okay? If you want to be saved, there's one door. There's one door. It rained. And this is, this is, this is uh, uh, the last thing, and, and we really need to go. It rained. It rained four days and 40 nights. That wasn't enough water. If, if it covered the world as a global flood, and you know, we're not doing this, this, this old earth stuff, we're doing new earth stuff, and everything was underwater, uh, rain wasn't enough. I mean, it, it, was, it was 20, 25 feet deep over the highest mountain. Now, we don't know what the highest mountain was. It addresses it in here in this passage, uh, but it was that deep because the, the draft of the ark, it floated, for, for, for a long time. And how long did Noah float on the ark? A year. A year. Um, in the Bible, uh, get that, write that down. 7-11, uh, Genesis 7-11, the fountains of the great deep were broken, uh, broken apart, broken up. Um, the Australian flood going on right now, this week, 
By chance, I saw a newscast from Australia. Flood of biblical proportions. Have you seen it? I mean, it is amazing. It's a, a, a place the size of Texas is underwater. It is amazing. This, the flood in Australia, uh, Queensland, Australia is going through right now. And they said in this report that it's flooding so bad that some of the aquifers were bursting their, their wells because the flood water, the pressure was so strong coming out of the ground. The groundwater, it, it broke up. It changed the landscape, okay? And this is where creationists, the New York folks, say about the mount creation and things like this is during this time because God says the great deep was broken apart. The whole landscape changed. And then sometime later, a year later, the water started to recede. Now, if you look on the back, the second page, I think, I saw, I found this, and I just kind of giggled. Because really, and, I, and be honest, be honest, when Jim draws something like this on this board, do you really pay attention? <laughs> you kind of go, oh, that's more English stuff. I don't know. But I saw this. Hey, that's pretty awesome. You know, about the Hebrew poetry, and Jim can talk about that to you all you want. But that's pretty awesome. Um, and you can just go through. And that's just an outline, basically, of the Genesis flood and, and Noah's Ark. So I'm going to close. Um, Luke, someone go to Luke 17, 26. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Quickly, quickly. Quicker. You're too slow. Come on. Chop, chop. 17. And I need someone to read verse 26, 17, 26. Luke 17, 20, uh, 17, 26. Quickly. And someone read 30, 17, 30. Start over. Read it better. Eric, read 1730. <laughs> okay. So Jesus is saying right here, as in the days of Noah, it's going to be just like that when I come back. Is it just like that? Is it getting really close to being just like it was in Leviticus? You know, you get all these people upset and mad, you know, the gay pride parades, and, and, and yeah, I mean, as believers, that should upset us, I guess. But then you get this weird thought of like, well, as in the days of Noah, I'm just that much closer to Jesus coming back. I, I don't know. So. Thanks. Next week. We're still talking about Noah. Um, it's not just me, and some of you will thank God for that. Uh, David Barber's going to talk about Noah and what happened after this, um, and you can get the rest of the story. So I have a great Sunday. Oh, on your tables, uh, pieces of paper, that's the prayer list. Write those out, prayer requests uh, and praises, uh, and, and we'll gather those up later, and that's going to be on the Internet. If you're new to the class, Jim has a website. Sunscorehouse has a website. Uh, it's, on, it's actually on the bottom of this worksheet. Um, Prayer request will be there. We don't have your email. Somehow get that to Jim, and that will end up uh, getting on our list. Thanks, guys.